0: Hey guys, if you want updates on our latest episodes, then be sure to subscribe to the Film Colossus podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, if you'd like to support the show and hear episodes ad-free, then subscribe to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmcolossus.
1: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
0: My name's Chris Lambert. And I'm Travis Bean. And on today's episode of Film Colossus, we're talking all things Barbie. What we liked and what we didn't like about Greta Gerwig's biting satire of our world's superfluous yet incredibly damaging gender roles. Get ready, because our conversation goes down about as many trails as this movie goes down.
1: Barbie made me feel seen in an uncomfortable way that a movie has never made me feel before. (laughs) In what way? At the end of June... My wife and I went to a Matchbox 20 concert that uh-huh. I wanted to go to and I Just made checks a big out so far. I made a big deal about push being the song that I wanted to hear the most. <laughs> I love push. It's a song of that we'll like do. sing in the car and that I have all these I do uh, know every word. Strong emotions for I love the song. So then when Ryan Gosling starts singing push As this embodiment of a bro song, like when he busted out the guitar, I was expecting Oasis Wonderwall. I associate Oasis Wonderwall as like that song that the guy with the guitar plays at the party and everybody kind of rolls their eyes. I was not expecting Matchbox 20, uh, nor was I expecting my favorite song by Matchbox 20. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I also felt very
0: seen at this movie in a way I'd never had before. Um, because when I went to the movie, uh, my wife had to stay home with the baby. So I went by myself (laughs) to a screening of Barbie on a Monday afternoon. And I may have been the only male in the audience, um, and was surrounded by mostly little girls. And (laughs) when I sat down in my seat in the front row, which I, which I picked out several days ago and there was no one around me. There was nobody else in the row when I got there except two girls sitting next to me in the seats I, was, I had chosen. Huh. And I sat there and I sat there for a while and I was like, no one else is coming in the seat next to me. Like, I'll just move over. So yeah. I moved over to the next seat. And not one minute later did a mom with two other little girls show up sitting in the three seats that were on the other side of me. Um, and then we had a nice, awkward conversation where she asked me to move and i was like yes of course and then i moved over to the next seat but i didn't decline the seat so it was still like sitting up and she was like can you decline the seat and so i awkwardly reached across and declined it while the four of us sat
1: there in silence as i did it (laughs) (laughs)
0: um and the rest of the movie was colored by that experience
1: oh no that's not really uh... no i
0: was able to i was able to just be in my own little world and laugh
1: at Ryan Gosling. Yeah, but that is such a an awkward. When I I had a similar thing when I saw it. I sat down in the seat. All the trailers pass. We're talking like thirty minutes in a Regal these days Oof. for all the commercials and then the trailer and then the the stupid bumper. I hate the bumper at <laughs> Regals. <laughs> it's terrible. That's well, that's nice. At least I got that going for me. And thirty minutes and lights go dark and i'm like okay here we go and this guy comes in and walks up and goes uh, that's my seat it's like is it and then i look over because the seat numbers are hard because they're on yeah. like, the arm of the seat rather than the seat itself uh-huh. and you're like well is it is it the left side that's the seat number is it the right side yeah eh. and i had to make a whole row <laughs> like seven <laughs> girls move over one spot oh man um and I was like, oh, I should just take the seat that's over there that was one of your seats. And they're like, no, 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 we want to move. So then they're all getting <laughs> up and moving while I'm just standing there. Wow, we really had a couple
0: of uh, pre-movie experiences on our hands.
1: I know, I know. Wow. We were the Kens. We really were, holy shit. <laughs> um, I... I barmanheimered. would
0: <laughs> I'm about the Barbenheimer. I mean, th- to, to Barbenheimer, do you have to do it on on a single
1: day? I feel like initially, yes. But I think so okay. many people had trouble getting to see both in one day that it's now just become the act of kind of like the first week. Okay. Then I'm about the Barbenheimer as well. Yeah. I, I saw him first day back to back. And All I'm right, glad I brag. saw Barbie second. <laughs> i
0: think that's that is the proper way to do that combination you know it's like a it's like a palate
1: cleanser yeah that's what that's what i was saying where other people i was seeing on twitter people were like no you have to do barbie first so then you can sit in the existential devastation of oppenheimer
0: i would say barbie is existential devastation
1: (laughs) yeah i cried so much more at barbie than i did at oppenheimer
0: well, uh, yeah, I, I don't expect to cry at Oppenheimer, but Barbie was really, really going for the
1: tears. Yeah, it was. That song that they play at the very end, that like aching, The Matchbox 20 song? song? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who sings it. It's just so beautiful. I, I love so this delicate. image.
0: This image of uh, Ryan Gosling and all the Kens playing Matchbox 20 and Chris is just sobbing in a seat.
1: <laughs> it's so beautiful, <laughs> especially the guy in the drum kit. That was great. Yeah. Uh, So, had you watched a number of trailers going in? Did you kind of know what to expect, especially after Mm. opening weekend and all the the praise the movie was receiving? Um, You know what? Gosh, I hadn't even
0: really thought about this, but it's all coming back to me now. I I actually love watching trailers, um, and my wife and I usually watch them on YouTube. You know, we'll watch them months before the movies come out, but... I feel like maybe I made a conscious decision to not watch the Barbie trailer. I don't even know why it could have been out of indifference. (laughs) Like I wasn't (laughs) sure I was going to like it. And then I, maybe at some point, you know, once I saw that it could actually be a smart movie and you know, Greta Gerwig is making it and everything and I'm hearing good things about it. I think it just became more of like the marketing was so intense that I removed myself from it and didn't want to be seeing all the marketing. So I really didn't know much about this movie heading in and e- even the
1: plot really interesting and had you watched other Greta Gerwig movies like are you, a, yeah. are you a are you a Greta guy
0: yeah I am a fan of her in general um I've been a fan of her ever since uh she ate a slice of pizza in the house of the devil uh <laughs> a Ty West movie from 2000 was that 2000 Five or something um she has a really small part in that movie and she has a scene where she eats a slice of pizza very in a very funny way and i've just always i always think of her in that scene whenever <laughs> i see her i don't know why but i think she's great like in general and uh, i have seen Ladybird. i haven't seen little women and i thought lady bird was really good i i connected with it it was like a it was like a more serious super bad almost um So, yeah, I'm a fan, and
1: so heading into it, I I had high expectations. You know, I hadn't watched any... No, I had watched Lady Bird. I remember when Francis Ha came out, Mm -hmm. and I feel like all over the place I was just seeing, like, Greta Gerwig, Greta Gerwig, Greta Gerwig. And I don't know why, but I just was like, hmm. <laughs> and never watched Francis Ha because it felt like it was getting hyped up so much, which I, I'm not normally like that. But for some reason, I rebelled against <laughs> loving that movie or even watching it. It that happens. movie. Uh, and then Lady Bird came out and I had friends that were like, hey, go see this movie with us. I was like, OK. And I loved Lady Bird. I thought Lady Bird was hmm. awesome. And it did the little thing that I like where the movie doesn't end in the cliche going on to the next thing it stuck with her into college a little bit and that was yeah just that little extra thing where i was like oh Greta gets it
0: (laughs) like she yeah it's an important scene for like understanding her growth throughout the movie and like just reflecting on everything she went
1: through yeah so many writers and not just in film but in tv novels short stories will not take it to that spot because they're like The moment of leaving is the important thing. The end. You're like, no, it's not. (laughs) It's not. Yeah. Uh, But then that made me just be like, I should go back and rewatch Francis Ha. I still haven't. But Little Women, I missed. I wanted to see it, but I missed it when I was in theaters and still haven't caught it. But I watched uh, White Noise a few months ago when that came out. Yeah. And I didn't like White Noise all that much, but I liked Greta in it and was actively thinking, because I had never watched anything else that she was in. So that was my first time seeing her as an actor. And she was like, oh, I get it. Okay. (laughs) Like, she's very magnetic. Yeah.
0: She uh, co-wrote Francis Ha and White Noise, I believe.
1: Or no, not White Noise, just Francis. She co-wrote Francis Ha for sure. Yeah. And then Noah Baumbach, who is her partner and... uh, directed White Noise co-wrote Barbie with her.
0: Yes. Uh, have you seen any Noah Baumbach movies?
1: Uh, not really, have I?
0: Oh man. Uh, the Squid and the Whales, one of my personal favorites.
1: I was at ah. the Iowa Summer Writers Workshop and they had us watch the first 40 minutes of The Squid and the Whale. <laughs> as, <laughs> like, so weird. Look how great this movie is and the the narrative and the writing and is it this like awesome, you should be doing this. And I forgot to watch the rest of the movie, but the first 40 minutes was really good.
0: Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I guess th- th- there a lot of like writer people who are like writing forward when it comes to movies and like really like scripts. I, I feel like The Squid and the Whale was a big one because Noam Babak is, I mean, he was a, he directed at first, but he, I think he was more well known as a writer, especially since ride, he helped write you know, like the Life Aquatic and stuff like that and Fantastic Mr. Fox, like I think a lot of people put a lot of stake in him in that way and it wasn't until probably later in his career, maybe Francis Ha that he started getting recognized as more of a, a visual guy.
1: Mm. I, uh, I thought I'd watch Margot at the wedding, but oh, yeah. I confused it with Rachel getting married. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: The, the, I feel like those that was like that those movies came out in almost the same year. Like, you know how that happens with movies?
1: Yeah. I really liked Rachel Getting Married. I don't know if I would oh, yeah. still like Rachel Getting Married. That's but... a Jonathan Demme movie. That's a good uh, movie. Uh, I never saw Margot. I never
0: saw Greenberg. Yeah, I didn't see Greenberg. I um, Actually, after Francis Ha, I don't know if I've seen any of them. Yeah, Marriage Story... I never watched either oh wait marriage story of course i, I love marriage story so yeah you were
1: all about i'm surprised marriage story came out four years ago already that, that's weird that's crazy okay well barbie i barbie. uh i had watched maybe part of the trailer but i was actively avoiding trailers heading into it because i had a good feeling about it um So I was excited. I was really excited to go see it. And I also didn't necessarily enjoy my time at Oppenheimer. So I was extra excited (laughs) for Barbie. Preview of the next episode. (laughs) Yeah. I was extra excited for Barbie to hopefully be good.
0: Nice. Yeah. Um, So uh, I guess right out of the gate, like what was your experience with Barbie? Did, Did you have
1: a good time? i from the opening shots where i had a moment of going kubrick <laughs> the two- second
0: the- kubrick reference the the last movie we covered in this podcast had a kubrick reference
1: as all movies should it's just, <laughs> it's just every- funny
0: to me that like this movie when i think about stanley kubrick like and I've, and I've thought about writing like a movie guide on 2001 A Space Odyssey. The only thing that's kept me from it is like, I don't think anybody cares about Stanley Kubrick anymore. Like, does anyone want to read an explanation of 2001 A Space Odyssey? Does anyone care about old movies anymore? And here we are back to back talking about movies that make
1: references to it. Yes. And I would love to write that guide.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, uh-huh. I mean,
1: it's all yours. Uh, So the, the first second I saw it in like that, is this a reference? Cause you know, <laughs> I thought it might be, but first shot, maybe it's not. And then the second shot, absolutely 1000%. They yeah, make it clear. So I was immediately happy. And then the fact that it's just the little girls, uh, instead of the like primitive humans is so funny to me <laughs> and mm-hmm. the toys that they were playing with. Uh, and the fact that you can make the reference, but make it unique and play mm-hmm. on it in a way that is referential that is takes the meaning and shows that they understood what the original was doing but adapting it for what Barbie is saying yeah. about toys and femininity and like the dreams that these girls have and their relationship with their own femininity and like identity moving forward it's such a a deep Way of establishing a point mm-hmm. that yeah, from that moment I was just absolutely in.
0: Yeah, it's a great um, it's a great entryway into the movie because you know I'm sitting here saying like no one cares about 2001: A Space Odyssey anymore, but the kind of person who would care about 2001: A Space Odyssey are people like Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, <laughs> and like it was like they're just like movie nerds, you know? Yeah, and that was like my immediate in in connection to the movie as well because like you know again in a the theater with a lot of little girls like i feel like when i got there i kind of had a i didn't even realize the movie was pg-13 you know i became pretty clear quickly but like in that moment i was kind of like i didn't know what to expect of the movie it could have just been like a movie for kids uh with like some adult humor thrown in but like right out of the gate it feels like a movie for adults And it has a very sly sense of humor and it's not afraid to be on edge, you know, and like push the boundaries of like what a kid would expect, you know, going to see a Barbie movie. And in that way, I, I I felt like it was in good hands immediately that it was going down that path and it wasn't afraid to push the boundaries and present. And again, the movie, you know, it's, produced by mattel like that's another reason i'm I'm sitting there thinking like how good can a movie be if it's produced by the the people that make barbie um but immediately it kind of makes it clear that everything's a little tongue-in-cheek and a little critical and a little satirical in a way that i was like okay like i'm expecting something that transcends what i expected
1: Figure Lending LLC DBA Figure. Equal Opportunity Lender. NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Yeah, it's it's a movie that's for everybody. And it even though kids are going to have an appeal to it because it's Barbie, it talks to the kids in a serious Mm -hmm. way. It's not talking down to them. It's including them in the conversation, which is cool to me as somebody who is watching a lot of adult film <laughs> f- films for adults uh, when when i was a kid uh i always liked that it always felt a little special to me that i was able to watch a pg-13 movie and f- feel like i was understanding what the adults mm-hmm. were seeing right and i'm hoping maybe some kids have that with this even if they don't understand <laughs> all the the nuance of everything they feel elevated by this they feel engaged by this
0: right yeah Mm. yeah that's the that's the sense i got from it and that's why it just felt smart in that way i guess like it can be satire but satire in a way that's done for that's actually one thing I really love about movies and this is gonna make me sound dumb but I love when a movie is just clear (laughs) like I love when a movie like isn't too difficult to figure out and kind of wears what it is on its sleeve and this movie does that immediately and like especially through the opening scene with like the dance number and everything like keeps doing it like the humor is so obvious which is a beautiful thing to do when you suddenly pivot pivot the movie and Barbie starts talking about death like (laughs) it's such a giant build to have Pretty much a twenty-minute joke running at the beginning of the movie, and then all of a sudden, like, no wait, this is what our movie's about. It's kind of a
1: beautifully done in a narrative sense. Yeah, my I had watched it uh, Thursday, and then went with my wife on Sunday, uh-huh. and I was excited to see her react to everything, <laughs> and she was like, having a good time, like laughing at the jokes, and then it got to the dance scene and her just being like, "Does anybody else ever have thoughts of death?" And hearing her gasp and guffaw (laughs) in genuine, like, shock and entertainment, I was like, yeah, right? (laughs) Right? It's just such a a jab, 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 uppercut.
0: Yeah. And it's a a bold thing to do as well because you make it very clear from that moment on that, like, oh, this movie's not a joke. Like, it's going to talk about serious stuff. And then the rest of the movie has to then play with that delicate... Balance, it puts the movie in a very precarious situation. Like, we're going to follow Barbie into the real world to deal with these very real things that affect people. And Ken's going to be there as well to keep the humor. And I guess that's that, that can seem natural in some sense to have like th- that balance and to have those two energies there. But I think that's that's incredibly difficult to pull off. And the way Gerwig and Baumbach navigated that and kept those two energies balanced the whole time, like, I feel like they can't be understated. Like, it, I, I don't want to hyperbolize, but it, it struck me as something like, you know, a more legendary director could pull off, you know? Like maybe someone modern like Wes Anderson, but going back, someone like Louis Spoonwell, where like there's this constant like ebb and flow between like what's supposed to be funny and what's supposed to be dramatic and when those two things cross over. And it's it's a
1: very difficult art and they crushed it in that way of still making Barbie funny at uh, at the same time that she's serious in the emotional core of the movie. The way in which she was so well-rounded while also keeping Ken as still like a himbo, but not in, he was dumb, but he wasn't hopeless. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that Barbie was, she was naive, but she wasn't stupid. And so you had faith in her to be in situations and start to put two and two together. And even though Ken was so dumb, there was also something very... Self-aware is not the right word. But you also expected him to be able to put two and two together in some ways. And the (sighs) fact that I didn't think either character was dumb, despite them being silly... I really enjoyed because it gave me confidence, not just in the characters, but in the filmmaking and what was being said and done. I think that's one of the things I often feel when I'm watching movies, not often, but I worry that the movie's going to take a wrong turn or I'm not on board with some of the decisions right away. And I mm-hmm. start to feel like my critical capacity kicks in a bit more, where it's very rare. Especially with new releases, that I can just kick back and feel completely comfortable knowing that the filmmaker, like I have trust in what they're doing and where they're going to take me. And you said that up front with the Kubrick references, that you just had this confidence in it. And it was that all the way through for me. I was just so into what <laughs> Gerwig was doing with the film that it was really nice to be able to just give in Mm-hmm. I definitely had
0: moments where I did wonder if I was still in safe hands throughout um, like I was never anti like the energy of the movie like it was very confidently and well done um, mostly the humor and like just it's especially everything it was doing of Ken you know when he gets there and he sees like well, what's the what, city way? What what was the place called? Uh, Century City. Century City. Like all that stuff I'm sitting there thinking like, man, that's so well done. I-, I think what was getting me in the beginning was when it would go back to Barbie and like what I don't even want to say how they were defamiliarizing her journey. I think that was my where I needed to find my footing as Barbie went into the real world was like what the angle of the movie exactly was like. I think I was caught in this loop of like trying to figure out like what her journey is a metaphor for. And um, is this like Barbie a person or is Barbie just a reflection of the way people see her? Like I I kept trying to jump through hoops and figure it out that I, I realized at some way I was overcomplicating it, that the movie is very simple in the sense that like, it's literally, you can look at it straightforwardly, Barbie comes to the real world <laughs> and she has this reputation in the real world. And she has to deal with that reputation in the real, world. like you're just seeing something that exists in society through her eyes, through these, you know, naive, innocent eyes who like can't comprehend all these things. And is like, yet all these things are being projected onto her. And she's having to understand like <laughs> all the complicated shit that goes on in this world, like by herself, like, it's kind of simple in that way. And because it's so simple, it allows everything the movie's about to hit a little harder and to be relayed a little more easily. Um, and so once I kind of settled into what the movie was doing, I was, you know, I I'm in step with you. Like I, I was totally just like with the movie and like ready for what it was giving me. And um, again, the, the thing that won me over, it was that mix between, drama and comedy like that's not easy to do even like the big grease dance number where all the kids are (laughs) dancing around like that's not easy to do that and then go back to like the real shit but like the movie does it
1: yeah and it's so fascinating in how it's top uh, tackling those serious societal issues and exploring the dynamics between extremes not just patriarchy is bad but look at the effects of matriarchy And the impact Mm -hmm. that that has on the Ken's to the point where Barbie has that uh, comment where uh, American Ferreira is like, where do the Ken's sleep at night? (laughs) And she's like, you know what? I've never thought about it. Yeah. And just that level of (laughs) kind of disregard uh, to what they do, what they're going through and the neediness that it created in Ken and the other Ken's. On the flip side to what we see, the devastation of patriarchy in that world and how it turns women into these uh, brainless servants that are just infatuated with men and only there to serve men, that's gross in a whole other way. But that the movie tackles the extremes of these societies and really makes a plea for the idea of equality and individuality and appreciating each other exploring all of that in a barbie movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) through barbie and ken while also having barbie's individual journey be about this existential crisis and awakening and the way in which it's okay to just be human and enjoy the ups and downs and pitfalls of it all and not be held up to the standards of barbie or put on the pedestal of barbie Mm -hmm. And just get to exist as an ordinary person uh, and the good and bad of that. There's, I was just kind of overwhelmed by how much the movie got into. And even though they made Ken villainous, they still gave him that path to redemption and understanding. And did you catch the fight club reference? I don't know if I did. Did I? Uh, When she goes to console him she tells him you're not your girlfriend, you're not your car, you're not, like, the, essentially the clothes that you wear. Uh-huh. Oh, Which is that Tyler Durden speech of, you know, you're not your jeans, you're not your this, that, we're the all-singing, all-dancing crap of the world. Uh, really getting at that idea that the things that we own aren't us and the things that we, like, have aren't us. We need to discover who we are as individuals. It's just... Fight Club, it's part of a very toxic <laughs> yeah. mindset. Barbie, through the reference, though, kind of channels that toxicity. Uh, challenges the toxicity, doesn't channel it. It challenges that toxicity and says that there's a there's a way to move beyond stuff and do it in like a caring, compassionate way rather than the harsh way that Tyler Durden <laughs> yeah, <laughs> expresses right. it. But that's kind of the journey for Ken is who are you You know what are you getting at what who do you want to be and how do you define yourself rather than letting these other things define who and what you are
0: yeah I mean you mentioned that the movie's covering so much ground and talking about so many things and it totally is but I think the which can make the movie seem sprawling and scattershot and like overly complicated but it's not it never really does feel that way and I think the key to that is again the simplicity of it uh and you know a lot of satire is simple because satire is attacking the stupidity of a a, of a specific thing and barbie is a satire of gender roles of how we see women of like how capitalism defines how we see gender like it's this very specific focus and because the movie is so dedicated to like that joke and like how stupid that aspect of society is all of these things kind of tangentially uh stray from all that natural or um avenue from that naturally like it just it all kind of connects and makes sense and because of that it's it's about a lot but it's also about something very specific which is uh nice for me because again i like simple (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i love movies yeah. i love it when movies are straightforward and like have a specific thing they want to talk about i love it
1: yeah it has its its spinal cord of yes. this is our focus we're going to have nuance within this or let this kind of define the way in which we take these conversations but you can always kind of come back to what it's getting at and the fact that so much of it is that sense of independence and freedom and you aren't defined by being stereotypical barbie or president barbie or basketball ken or beach ken mm-hmm. you get to discover who you are beyond this label and how that also applies to gender roles the fact that there was a, a trans actor in this movie it gets at that as well that there's a middle ground in the range of all of that where if who you are does end up to the extremes of incredibly feminine or incredibly masculine and what that means to you, great, fine. But if you have the middle ground of not needing to be an extreme of anything and just be who you are, great, awesome.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, There is one aspect of this movie that I did kind of struggle with before during and now after the movie Ooh. um and i guess it's just kind of it's kind of inherent for me as somebody who despises capitalism like when uh-huh. i see a movie like barbie i just immediately think especially when it's produced by mattel like in my head i'm like what's the point like what's the point of greta gerwig and noah bambach making a movie like this you know these two people who like i respect as artists who were largely independent artists for a lot of their career like making a movie like this because it, it almost in a sense no matter how you make this movie it's kind of PR for Mattel e- even this movie which very it, this is the, the best way it could have been done by the way is that like it's very critical of Mattel and it kind of um it it forces Mattel to like own up to like what it did uh how it's perpetuated all of these stereotypes and how it's capitalized on all these stereotypes and made money. Um, and just the damage it didn't did to so many kids. Uh, it's cool how the movie like does that, but also in the back of my mind, I'm sitting there thinking like, but, like that's a cool thing for Mattel to do you know <laughs> like it's cool to hire Greta Gerwig and Bumble- Noah Balak to make your movie it's cool to let them like criticize you but then in the end like give you an out and say like oh they're gonna change they're gonna do better like I I, I couldn't like shake that feeling the whole time um, and, I've- and I've thought about it since but I guess uh, it- at some point I've Realize it's just the cognitive dissonance of liking a movie. Like, you could still like a movie even if you don't like an aspect of it. And I I just, again, I feel like this feeling I have about the movie is is inherent. Like, no matter what movie Mattel is is made by Mattel or any entity that's looking to to capitalize on a product, like, I'm I'm just going to have those feelings.
1: My uh, wife sent me a, like, a Target page. (laughs) And it was Margot Robbie Barbie for $50. Wow. And Ryan Gosling Ken for $40. It's like a $50 Barbie. I'm sure there's been a $50 Barbie before, but just this is the end game, right? This is what Mattel was hoping to do. Like, go ahead. Mock us in the cinema. We'll be the cool person that can take a joke, but we're going to sell this product. Yes. Right? At the end of the day, none of the Mattel CEO names were there. Will Farrell. It's Will Farrell getting to be the Mattel CEO. It's not. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Who's the Mattel CEO? Mattel so, CEO. It's not it, Yanan Krees.
0: <laughs> so if my values were a little more solidified, like maybe I would just hour be like, fuck Barbie. But I think I'm able to just like, it, again, I think Gerwig and Bombach did it in the best way possible. Like they, they really do make Mattel own up for, like, what it did. And and I, I think most importantly, they, like, signaled a sense of direction, like, a way out of this. Like, Barbie's growth after the movie, like, graduating from Mattel and, like, becoming a real person, like, that's inspiring stuff. I mean, the the movie's for girls and women for the most part, but, like the The way the movie just talks about being human and like finding your identity in a society that's constantly trying to define your identity like that's all there and that's universal
1: yeah I I feel like teenage me if I watched this movie at 15 years old 16 years old you know I'd go in as a kind of a joke like ah ha ha you know let's go see Barbie ah <laughs> ha ha I <laughs> some shit in there that I'd really need to hear where hmm. just like oh I don't have to let having a crush on this girl define me and take up every waking <laughs> moment of my Wolf. life yeah you connected with Ken hardcore didn't you <laughs> just a little bit in some ways not the ways of ever being cool in patriarchy but mm-hmm. uh like cool I'm thinking of him wearing the big coat it's uh that I guess pretty I guess cool. I saw Greta did an interview where she's an unabashed Sly Stallone fan. Oh yeah! So the coat was a little bit of a, a throwback to him. Love. Thank no- you for letting me know that
0: because if I ever meet Greta Gerwig I'm going to ask her her thoughts on Staying Alive.
1: I think that's a great call. Probably Underrated. the best, best question you could ask. I'm assuming that's a
0: <laughs> Sylvester Stallone movie. It is the sequel to Saturday Night, Saturday Night Fever. And he stars in it? He stars in it and Sir... Or, sorry, he does not star in it. Uh, John Travolta stars in it but because it's the sequel to Saturday Night Fever, but Stallone directs it.
1: Oh, I thought Stallone might have taken over.
0: <laughs> it does feel like a Stallone move.
1: Like, right? They can't get John Travolta back, so they insert Stallone yeah. into the role. <laughs> Instead of a dance-off, he punches everyone.
0: No, he's directing a dance movie, and he does it beautifully. That's
1: awesome. Um, also, of note that I found interesting... Is, it should have been obvious after Ladybird, but Greta Gerwig had a Catholic school education. Hmm. So a lot of how she thinks about narrative, she puts through uh, Bible mythology. So yeah. what we see with this is essentially an Adam and Eve story. Oh, okay. Which is kind of cool to think about the way in which... Uh, it's adam and eve being unaware they're in paradise and then eve eats of the apple right and ends up mm. leaving paradise because she has all this new information about the world
0: oh wow yeah i was getting vibes of like the odyssey you know like just going on this like journey basically the hero's journey and like all the different kind of people you meet you know
1: yeah even having like the the travel by the epic yeah. travel by car tandem bike RV rocket snowmobile Man, I mean I guess it goes without saying but
0: to just the the uh the art of this movie you know the art what am, what, what is it called production design <laughs> I don't know why oh, I can't yeah. like get the the words out but it's just again that's this is something that could just go awry like all of the pink and all of the Barbie things and the outfits but it just so confidently and well done it's it, there's not much to say about it other than kudos like you uh, just amazed people can pull stuff like this off
1: there was a uh, one other cool thing did you hear the the background story on the woman at the bus stop uh oh no i didn't so the woman at the bus stop from what i read uh, this better be right or else i'm gonna feel <laughs> i'm gonna feel bad Hollywood lore yeah um maybe this isn't right i uh, say it anyway yeah what i read was that she is this legendary uh, costume designer in hollywood and they had her play the woman on the uh, the bench is kind of a nod to her okay yeah here if you've this is a w i o n news.com Um, So it talks about the woman and says, Anne Roth is an Oscar winning costume designer and plays the older woman on the bench in the movie. Greta Gerwig is known to be friends with Roth and hence had approached her for the cameo. So that's kind of cool that they wanted Hmm. to give her just this nice moment of being honored on film for everything that she's done behind the scenes. Um, It says that she was the costume designer for Midnight Cowboy, 9 to 5, Working Girl, The Talented Mr. Ripley, The Hours, The Village, Mamma Mia, (laughs) Hmm. Um, and was nominated for the Academy Award five times and won twice for The English Patient and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. She's been nominated for Mamma Mia. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's BS. Uh, So it's cool that, I don't know, I just really like that Gerwig had this moment of honoring... A Hollywood, like, a Hollywood legend that yeah. doesn't get a lot of praise because the the crew is so important to every production, but they receive the least public acclaim yeah. and the least on screen uh, representation. And apparently, the other story that was going around was that the um, producers or studio wanted her to cut that scene because <laughs> they felt that it didn't add anything to the movie and (laughs) Gerwig said absolutely not because if she cuts that scene she doesn't even know why she made the movie
0: I would say that's a pretty crucial scene for Barbie's development like this this moment where she's reflecting on the world and you know she's all worried about growing old and like what's gonna happen to her and she sees beauty sitting right next to her it's a it's a great entryway into like her journey
1: on in the real world just gave me goosebumps yeah right like Absolutely crucial to her feeling okay, with especially because they use cellulite as like such a spooky yeah <laughs> thing. Like your body's gonna get old and weird. Like ah, ah. And it's like no, it's okay, it's okay. I just this reminded me in a weird way of Groundhog Day. I have seen
0: references to Groundhog Day, and I even saw somewhere that the movie makes a direct reference to it, but I didn't know what it was.
1: I've seen Groundhog Day like 50 times and really? I did not see like a direct reference. Yeah, that's
0: what I was thinking. I was like, well, Chris is going to know if anybody
1: knows like fight club. I got, that, I got that one. <laughs> I mean, baby there's one that I missed, but it was more so just in the way in which I always took Groundhog Day as one of those movies that always gave me direction mm-hmm. and kind of reset to no matter what I was going through, what I was feeling, good or bad but especially the bad I could rewatch Groundhog Day and it would remind me who I wanted to be how I wanted to be and give me that sense of direction it was Mm -hmm. such a important blueprint movie and I feel like Barbie has that same power and potential of being this thing that people can come back to as a reminder of who they want to be, how they want to be. And just being able to remember that life is such a, a gift. And even when it's difficult, we still have all of these beautiful things and opportunities.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. I, I, I agree. I think the movie has that. I think again, it helps that the movie so confident. <laughs> like, yeah. I think that's just such a key thing that this movie has that, it never really wavers from what it sets out to do from the very beginning from that death joke on. Like you're like, oh, like this is what's this is what's going on here. Like this is this thing that we all think about, we all worry about. Like it is kind of the the underlining of this movie. It's it's always there. And just watching Barbie go on this journey and figure out who she is in a world that's constantly trying to define her, like that's just you know, that's something
1: everybody can understand. Yeah, that's the good stuff. I uh, I really like to, uh, I feel like this movie, I feel like it's hard for a movie to become canon in the way that it is an important milestone moment in film to where when you want to point back at the development of the canon of Western cinema, like what movies do you point to? And I think it tends to be movies that, you know technological breakthroughs or popularity breakthroughs jurassic park feels like one of those seminal movies right jaws Mm -hmm. is one of those seminal movies uh titanic is another of those seminal movies and i think barbie immediately takes a spot in the canon because of how much it's making references to cinema and these other movies and the same way that it has that woman on the bench uh, Anne Roth and honors her it's just all these little things that make it a commentary not just on life but on Hollywood and kind of serves as this point in time of when we look back what are some movies that are important what are some movies that inform and making all those references to those and including them in Gerwig's directions and visuals It just feels like such a a work of art that needs to be talked about 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, when we're looking at where cinema was at in 2023.
0: Yeah, Um, I think a, a big thing, too, is, you know, you're talking about all of the references it makes to movies. And there are direct references made to the movies, like obviously you talked about Fight Club, and you see Greece and all that in 2001: A Space Odyssey. But the movie very much has a tone and aesthetic of classic movies. And I think what I noticed, anyway, was Jo uh, I say this, and I really love this director. But I'm realizing now I don't even know how to say this name because it's French. Is it, is it Jock? You know, J A C Q U E S. Yeah, Jock. Yeah, Jock Demi who made uh umbrellas of sherbo and i don't even know if i'm saying that right (laughs) sherborg and uh, the young girls of rochefort which is one of my favorite movies ever this kind of like colorful fanciful whimsical setting uh that to me the whole time i'm watching barbara and i'm like oh this is like clearly like a nod to this aesthetic and this kind of storytelling like i i just got that feeling the whole time and Again, like, I think that's the kind of stuff you can do to stand the test of time. It it, it elevates your movie beyond just, like, a movie for kids or something. Like, the, the aesthetics of the movie, the general feeling and allure of it is something that kind of floats above what we typically expect of a
1: movie. Yeah, it stands out so much. And not in the... I don't want to say that Wes Anderson is... Like, Wes Anderson's clearly not bad, right? But I feel like Wes Anderson has become almost a little bit of a a meme in Mm -hmm. how stylized he is. I feel like this was a nice middle ground between having a lot of the artistic voice that a Wes Anderson has and a color palette that Wes Anderson has without being so singularly Wes Anderson.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. I I actually, as much as I've always loved him, I kind of got sick of him at the same time everyone else seemed to. <laughs> and an Asteroid City, like, didn't connect with the way it could have. I think purely because I'm so used to what he does that you're right. Like, to to me, Wes Anderson was kind of a mocker day, J- Jock Demi, but Greta Gerwig might be taking his place. Like, it, sh- she kind of elevates that whole aesthetic to a new plane that, Wes Anderson I think purposely hasn't achieved which is fine um, but it is maybe it, it is kind of scratching that itch, itch in that sense that like I wish I could have a Wes Anderson movie without it being so Wes Anderson and he...
1: yeah yeah. what's what's going to be strange about what's next for Gerwig is the fact that uh, oh, she just wrote that it's a Snow White movie her next movies are the Chronicles of Narnia movies
0: oh really
1: yeah huh uh so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out with it being you'd imagine uh much more of a studio picture how Mm -hmm. much say will she have in it how much artistic voice will she have to it well Um, this is uh this movie's in her
0: favor then like if they see how well this did and how successful it was like studios will get that like hey let cool people do their cool thing
1: yeah let greta cook yeah (laughs) yeah i'm hoping she takes a a dynamic approach i don't need her to redo Barbie. like it doesn't have to be yeah i mean ladybird is so different from barbie in in tone and aesthetic and style little women's a period piece yeah, I'm sure she's going to adapt and bring her sensibilities to it the same way that we saw like Villeneuve go from doing Enemy to doing Dune. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think he did a fantastic job in still being himself right. while making this giant studio movie. So I'm excited to see what Gerwig does with it. It's just going to be fascinating because I feel like Villeneuve had... A longer runway of some of the not independent work, but more of the auteur mm-hmm. time frame where with uh, Gerwig, you know, it's really Lady Bird and Little Women. And then Barbie's a much bigger kind of thing. And then Chronicles of Narnia is I'm assuming going to be huge.
0: Yeah. You've also got me thinking like they should really let Paul Thomas Anderson do a Marvel movie.
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> I would love... For Paul Thomas Anderson to direct a Marvel movie that ends up with the apocalypse of Marvel. Absolutely. He he would do it. Or it's
0: Scorsese is the one that Oh gosh. We know he won't. He, we know what he thinks about Marvel.
1: Yeah, he would he would he would not. Um But I'm I was very happy with Barbie. It's funny because we didn't talk about it <laughs> at all. I mean, it's only been Mm-mm. I guess like a little over twenty four hours since he saw it, but I had no idea how you felt about it. If you were going to like it, not like it. Um,
0: I never had a moment where, you know, annoying Travis came in and was like, I hate this. Like I again had reservations had like, I was like, what is this movie doing? Like, is it going where I think it'll go?
1: Um, but by the end of the movie, I know I was fully in. I, there were some things, Like, I don't think it's a perfect movie as much as we've praised it. Yeah, um, I agree. There were some jokes that didn't land for me. Some scenes that I thought were a little stupid. Like the the chase scene through the office complex. Yeah. Kind of like, okay. I guess this is like an energy that's fun, but at the same time. Not perfect is a good way
0: to describe it.
1: Yeah. Or <laughs> when Ken runs into the wave and goes like flying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing now just thinking about it. I like that part. It was so dumb. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's dumb. Yeah, it's it's not bad. It's just um. So there were a few things. Like I thought the the mother daughter relationship um, was maybe a little underdeveloped for the daughter. Like being won over. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So yeah, the, I think the movie.
0: It was more concerned with efficiency when it came to that particular storyline.
1: Yeah. Uh, they probably could have developed it a lot more. Or even like, Aaron Dinkins, that character, yeah. got a weird amount of screen time in the early portions for how little he did later. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> it was like he was somebody's
0: nephew and like he had to be on the movie.
1: Right. We're going to give him like a whole intro scene where he gets to call and go up where it seemed like you could just have somebody... Like, you could just cut to American Ferreira drawing and have this guy run up and be like, I have to talk to somebody. Yeah,
0: right. Um, I, I will say the biggest, my biggest knock against this movie is that Michael Sarah was underutilized. Because every time <laughs> he spoke, I was laughing my ass off. But he
1: didn't he didn't have that much to do. No, he did not. I did think his fight had to have been a slight nod to Scott Pilgrim, right? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Because why else would you have Michael Sarah? have a random fight scene in a movie if it's not just, hey, I really liked Scott Pilgrim. Let's yeah, get yeah, him yeah. fighting.
0: No, yeah, that's a good point.
1: Um Yeah, but I Okay, where's it rank? Um how about I'll just do my
0: 2023 rankings. Because uh we haven't talked about this Chris, but I, I, I got rid of my rankings.
1: <laughs> oh <laughs> well, that's interesting I, to tell me.
0: <laughs> yeah, sorry i i I find it too. Th- this is gonna sound so stupid, but like I find it a little too overwhelming to rank that many movies.
1: <laughs> you did have like five, like closing in on five hundred.
0: I just I
1: couldn't do it anymore.
0: Um, so let me, you, you tell me where yours is. Why pull mine up though? Because I can do twenty twenty three rankings for sure.
1: Okay, are you still going to do yearly rankings? Yeah, I want to do yearly. That's what I want to okay. do. Um, I have it... Where did I put it? Ah, okay. I have it at number 33 of my all-time rankings. Okay. That's out of 146. So it lands in the impressive category, which is the... It's colossal, then amazing, then impressive. So I have it above the lighthouse, um, but still below Knives Out, which I might change. It's like, Mm. I think I like it, but I think it's doing more and saying more than Knives Out, but I think there was something of just enjoying some of Knives Out and like the novelty of it a little bit more, but I think I might end up bumping Barbie above it. Okay.
0: And how about your 2023 rankings?
1: 2023, I have it at number five, which I need to bump that up to. So I had Bo is Afraid, Past Lives, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Scream 6, and then Barbie. But I, th- I definitely liked Barbie more than Scream 6. Okay. <clears> okay. <throat>
0: So for my 2023 rankings, which again, so sorry, Chris, I'm breaking this. You live in the air, but my 2023 rankings, I have it at, I'm looking at it here. I think I'd put it at number, I think I'm putting it at number seven for now. Okay. Out of 24 movies. I'm out of 30. Okay, I forgot. I'm wondering if I'm missing... Oh, you know what? Do I have Ast... Oh, I do have Asteroid City on here. Okay, so it's all updated. Where yeah, did, put it... Go ahead. Where did Asteroid City come in? Number 12. So now it's number 13. Okay. I enjoyed it. Um, guy, we should do a podcast on that movie. <laughs> There's just things about it I couldn't quite get into. I have it at number 29. Uh, out of 30? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you didn't like it. No. Um... I mean, I, honestly, I I can't get mad about that. I, I could see somebody putting it at number 29. <laughs> They're just... Uh, I think maybe because, like, I've had such a fondness for him over his career and there were certain ideas I really liked in the movie. Um, my pro- main problem is I don't think it developed those ideas well enough.
1: No. Like, well, barely did anything.
0: I don't know about that. I I think the movie has a tone and energy, like a like you're, you're looking for like deep introspection, like in it, it a certain way for it to be written, which like, I don't think he's going to do. Uh, and I'm, I'm okay with the approach he took. I just, I still think that it could have been done better.
1: Much, much better. <laughs> much, much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to, I need to drop Scream 6 and bump up Barbie. You still haven't seen Scream 6, have you? I saw it. Yeah. Where did it rank for you?
0: Uh, right now, it's at number 18. Okay, so lower I didn't half. hate it. Like, I hated the f- the fifth one.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I, I don't love it. Like, I, I, I think it's worse than all of the other screen movies.
1: Really? I would have thought it would have been much more up your alley. I don't think we ever
0: talked about it. It was... Some parts of it were up my alley, but as a whole, it
1: wasn't. It's so much more... Like, outrageous, and I... F- the mm-hmm. way that I thought, no, those other movies are still like, they have more of that independent outrageous that you like. Okay.
0: Scream 6, I think it's more, uh, the problem, look, it's not fair to these guys that made the movie, these two young hotshots, whatever their names are. One of them has like, you know, 20 letters on his name. He's got like a hyphenated last name. I can't remember this guy's last name.
1: But like Matt Bentinelli Ulpin. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> but like... To me, it's more of a tonal thing of these movies. Like, Wes Craven is a very specific kind of writer and director, and the energy and ambiance he brings to his movies is, like, it's very cartoonish in a way that I feel like in their version is, like, really overdone and kind of has a nasty streak to it in a way, like, Craven doesn't have, which I I see Craven as more of an optimist. Uh, There are just certain feelings i get for the movie that i don't like so they're doing good work like i like that the movie's all over the place and it has stuff to say but it's never going to be a
1: west craven screen movie the nasty streak is what i wasn't thinking about yeah i don't know it did not have it does have that
0: but that's okay i mean that's the that's what they're going for
1: yeah i definitely liked it better than their first one i am heavily agreeing with you right now yeah <laughs> okay well barbie and now we'll talk about arpen arpenheimer oppenheimer <laughs> next time arpenheimer.
0: is that um what's arpenheimer is that army hammer's version of oppenheimer <laughs> oh my god
1: yeah the the ridiculous burden of responsibility <laughs> that army hammer has for not being a cannibal how can he resist <sighs> okay so
0: Oppenheimer, that'll be out in a couple days. Yeah. We're we're, we're doubling up. It's going to be a three-hour podcast. (laughs) Will it? No.
1: It'll probably be shorter than this one. Oh, yeah. Are you prepared for three hours of Christopher Nolan? (sighs) I'm not.
0: uh, I'm excited to see an IMAX movie, I guess. Um, But got to say I'm not the biggest Nolan fan. Although I did really like Tenet, so... I'm hoping he
1: continues his hot streak. (laughs) All right. We'll see. Until next time. Bye.